morning. The scripture for today's message comes from Hosea chapter 10. Chapter 10 verses 1 through 15. Hosea chapter 10 verses 1 through 15. And God's word reads as follows. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. For now they will say, we have no king, for we do not fear the Lord. And a king, what could he do for us? They utter mere words with empty oaths. They make covenants. So judgment springs up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria tremble for the calf of Beth-Avon. Its people mourn for it, and so do its idolatrous priests, those who rejoiced over it and over its glory. For it has departed from them. The thing itself shall be carried to Assyria as tribute to the great king. Ephraim shall be put to shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of its idol. Samaria's king shall perish like a twig on the face of the waters. The high places of Avon, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. Thorn and thistle shall grow up on their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills, Fall on us. From the days of Gibeah you have sinned, O Israel. There they have continued. Shall not the war against the unjust overtake them in Gibeah? When I please, I will discipline them. And nations shall be gathered against them when they are bound up for their double iniquity. Ephraim was a trained calf that loved to thresh. And I spared their fair neck. But I will put Ephraim to the yoke. Judah must plow. Jacob must harrow for himself. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed iniquity, you have reaped injustice, and you have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors, therefore the tumult of war shall arise among your people, and all your fortresses shall be destroyed." Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel on the day of battle. Mothers were dashed in pieces with their children. Thus it shall be done to you, O Bethel, because of your great evil. At dawn, the king of Israel shall be utterly cut off. The Westminster Short Catechism, in its first question, asks, What is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? What have we been placed here on earth to do? What have we been created to do? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is what we have been placed here 
to do. That is what we were created to do, to find all of our joy, to find all of our satisfaction in all of our glory. All glory is to go to God and to God alone. But we're glory hogs. We're glory stealers. We want the praise. We, we want the credit. Listen, I don't care how humble, if you are here today, I don't care how humble you think you are, this is a temptation that we all face. Now, we like to think that we don't enjoy the attention or the glory, but the temptation is real. You accomplish something significant and and you are recognized and, and praised for a, a talent or, or an act of service, and, and you, you, you are praised for it, and you say, all glory to God. I want to give all the glory, all of the praise to him. Brothers and sisters, there is a, there is a part of you that, that loves that glory. You, 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 love, you love that glory praise. We, we really want it for ourselves. We don't want to give the glory to God. We want it for ourselves. And listen, I am not telling you something that I think happens. This is what I know to be true. I face this temptation. We all face this temptation. We, we get praised, we get recognized, and we want to give glory to God, but, but there, is a, there is something inside us that says, yeah, I want it. Give me the praise. Give me the glory. In fact, sin would have us change our true chief end to glorifying ourselves and enjoying ourselves forever. We are glory stealers. Do you know why we steal glory? We steal glory because we are self-consumed. We are infatuated with ourselves. Stealing glory, stealing God's glory, is a temptation we all face. And this was Israel's problem. This was her problem. But instead of it being, instead of them being tempted and and then being convicted and turning from that sin, they dove head first into it. They, they gave in to the temptation. In fact, that has been quite clear as we have studied throughout the book of Hosea that, that sin is running rampant in the land because they are glory stealers. They are, they are self-consumed. If you look at Israel's history, you're trying to figure out what went wrong. What, what happened? How did, how, did this, how did they get so far? How did they, how did, where did they go where did they go wrong? You would be right in that assessment. It seemed like they were set up for success. And in many ways, what we have here in chapter 10 is a progression of Israel's slide and, and, and deterioration into sin. The picture painted by the prophet here is is quite instructive, and brothers and sisters, we would do well to listen. We would do well to, to, to look and to see what happened, where Israel went wrong. 
brothers and sisters, sin is sneaky. It's deceptive. It's invasive. You give it an inch, it takes a foot. You, you leave the door open just a smidge, just a crack, and all of a sudden the room is infested. Satan has taken over. There's a children's book. Children's book. It, I mean, it just it, it, it illustrates this so well. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called "If You Give a Mouse a Cookie." Have you heard of that? It starts off with a with a little boy outside of his home giving a little mouse a cookie. And by the end of the book, you have the mouse all in the house. And the, the boy is friends with the mouse, and he thinks the mouse is his pet, but actually the mouse has taken over. It's amazing that this children's book <laughs> paints the picture of sin. You, you give it a, a little bit, and all of a sudden, it just, it just takes over everything. Brothers and sisters, we don't play with sin. It's sneaky. Israel was set up for success, but they let Satan in. Look at the first verse of our text. Israel was set up for success. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. You do remember where Israel had come from, right? You, you remember how they got to where they got to. Israel was not a people. They, they were not like the other nations. God did not choose them because they were the best and most attractive nation. Listen, God did not choose them because he saw potential in them. This was not like investing in a neighborhood because you got an inside tip that one day that neighborhood might turn. This, Israel wasn't a, re, a, a gentrification project. No. She was chosen because she had nothing to boast of. She was, she was nothing. She was not a people. She was chosen. She, she, she was chosen because she had no potential. She was helpless and hopeless, and apart from God, Israel would be nothing. This would be her story. She would be nothing apart from God. But you know what? God chose her anyway. He chose her anyway because his plan was to make her into something. He wanted to, he wanted to, to make Israel his people. Israel belonged to him. She was the one that was supposed to change the neighborhood. God planted her and made her into a luxurious vine. Listen to the, how the psalmist in Psalm 80 describes what God did. Psalm 80, verse 8 through 11, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You, you cleared the ground for it. It, took, it looked it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Brothers and sisters, Israel was planted to be, to be a luscious, a fruitful vine that would be a blessing 
to the nations around her, that, that the nations would look on her and see all of her prosperity, see her wonderful fruit, and give glory and honor to God. They were to produce fruit. And Israel, they produced fruit, all right. They produced a lot of fruit. But as we learned last week, it was rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Instead of producing good fruit, he, Israel, produced wild grapes. Look at the second half of verse 1. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Brothers and sisters, the wild grapes that Israel produced was due to the fact that they failed to realize that they were blessed to be a blessing. And so they became self-consumed. That's why God had chosen Israel. They were to be a blessing to the nations. But instead of producing fruit that would nourish those around her, bring glory to God, they built altars. Altars to worship idols. They began to think that they were blessed simply to increase their own borders using the gifts and the blessings of God to fund their sin, stuff their pockets, and fortify their own pillars. You know, we don't escape such temptations. There is always the temptation. There is always the temptation to take what God has given us, money, talents, influence, and use it for personal gain. And Lord, help us. Too many of us use it to fuel our sin. God blesses you, and instead of glorifying God, you become self-consumed, concerned about your own needs and not the needs of others. You, you no longer think about blessing others because you have been blessed. You start building bigger barns to store up your blessings, like the rich fool in Luke 12. The Lord prospers the rich fool in Luke 12. He's got a, a farm, and there are crops, and, and, and he is being blessed fruitfully. And instead of blessing those around him, what he does is he says, you know what, my barns are getting stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take down these barns and build bigger barns so that I can store all of the blessings. And this is what he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. The Bible calls him a fool. A rich fool, because he realized he, he didn't realize that he was blessed to be a blessing. Oh, brothers and sisters, the temptations are real. You are sitting in a temptation. You are sitting in a temptation. 
a building. East Point Church, we were blessed with a building, and the temptation will be for us to just stuff our pockets, to use this blessing for our personal gain, to to be self-consumed, to only be inward, to not think about the needs of those around us. Brothers and sisters, we were blessed to be a blessing. Listen, if we do not understand that all we have, our homes, our cars, our jobs, our talents, our service, our money, our time, is a gift from God to bless others and to glorify him. If we don't understand that, brothers and sisters, we are giving the devil a cookie. And sooner or later, he is going to ruin Everything. Randy Alcorn, in his book, The Treasure Principle, punches us all in the gut. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. That's what he says. You're blessed, brothers and sisters, to be A blessing. You know, there's there's ways in which to avoid this type of sin. And you know one of the ways you can avoid this type of sin? The sin of being self-consumed by recognizing that all not all material blessings are good fruit. Listen, this is the the subtlety of sin because fruit can be deceptive. It can look pretty and luxurious and and, and inviting on the outside, but, but on the inside, it can be rotten. It can be no good. This is especially true when, when looking at material fruit. Lots of money, power, Influence don't necessarily mean you are producing good grapes. (laughs) The fruit that we should be examining is the fruit that the Bible speaks about. It's the fruit that we were told about last week. The Bible speaks of love and, and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who are producing that kind of fruit are being a blessing to others and glorifying God. Those are the people that are being a blessing to others. You know how I know that? You know how I know that? Because you can only be bearing the fruit of the Spirit if you are exercising them in the midst of and to other people. Can't be, can't be patient and loving and kind and gentle all by yourself. Fruit of the Spirit producing Christians can't be self, self-consumed. If you are producing that fruit, you can't be self-consumed. Israel was self-consumed and their progression into rebellion continued. 
You see, they failed. They failed to give God glory, and and it led Israel to be self-consumed. And that self-consumption led them to shift their trust in Christ, their trust in God, to trust in earthly kings. They had a misplaced trust. Look at verse 3. For now, they will say, we have no king. For we do not fear the Lord. And a king, what could he do for us? Because Israel, as in the days of Samuel, failed to realize that God was their king. And because they failed to fear him and acknowledge him as such, you know where they put their trust? They put their trust in earthly kings, leaders who were corrupt, leaders who promoted and pursued injustice rather than justice. Israel would find herself without her own king and would often be under the oppression of foreign kings. But because that is where their trust and hope rested, because they saw the broken promises and the corruption and the injustice, and because things were in disarray all around them, they they began to lose hope. They lost hope, and, and so they say, we have no king. We have no king, and even if we did have a king, what would a king do for us? There's hopelessness there. You hear it in their voice? Brothers and sisters, misplaced trust can only lead to hopelessness. Earthly kings, politicians, presidents, leaders only disappoint. They only disappoint. I know, I know they promise hope. And they they promise prosperity. And they, they, they promise security and they, they promise safety. But brothers and sisters, it is all a sham. They will, I guarantee you, disappoint. Trust, trust can only be found in the one who is to be feared, in the one who is to be revered, to the one true king. Sure, you're asking, who is that king? Like the psalmist, like the psalmist asked in Psalm 24:10, who is this king of glory? The Lord, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Jeremiah 10:10, but the Lord is the true God, he is the living God and the everlasting king. Brothers and sisters, where does your trust lie? Who are you trusting in this morning? Are you fretting, worried, fearful, discouraged during this political season? Thinking that all hope is gone? Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, don't let the corruption, the injustice, the, the, the empty promises, the, the poisonous 
weeds, the, the foolishness, the sheer foolishness that is going on in our political system now. Don't let it think that there is not a king on the throne. Don't, don't let it make you think that Jesus isn't reigning on high as our king. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, we, we, we don't ever say we have no king. We do have a king. He's sitting on the throne. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know what? He's trustworthy. You can trust him. His, his promises are true and they come to fruition. In him is hope. In him is safety. In him is security. God's people always, always have a king. You know, people, they, they look around us and they get discouraged and they wonder. They, they act as though Jesus has left his throne. He is not. He's sitting on high reigning. Israel's self-consumption opened the door for misplaced trust. And that misplaced trust led to idol worship. Look at verse 5. The inhabitants of Samaria trembled for the calf of Beth Haven. Its people mourn for it and so do its idolatrous priests. As we, have, as we have seen throughout Hosea's prophecy, the people have been given over to idol worship. So, so this is nothing new here. We've read this over and over and over again as we have gone through the book of Hosea. But I want, to know, I want you to notice the passion here, the, to, the depravity to which Israel has stooped. They are fearful and weeping over that which is made of wood and stone. Listen, instead of, instead of fearing the, the Lord, fearing God, they feared the idol. They were weeping because their idol had been taken away. I hope you are hearing this and you are taking inventory of your own life, brothers and sisters, when an object, when a person, when, when a team, a job, even something good governs and rules your emotional well-being, you are in danger of idol worship. Look at your heart. Think, contemplate deeply. When the Lord cuts something or someone from your life, or perhaps it doesn't even have to go that far. Maybe just the thought, just the, the inclination, the thought of losing something. What is your emotional state like? Do you trust that God is good and does good, that he has your best in mind, that, that he is thinking about your good? Or, or do you get angry? Or do you, do you get fearful? Do you start to worry? Brothers and sisters, don't cling to your idol. That's what Israel did. 
They continued. They continued in their idolatrous ways. They, they, they doubled down. Things were so bad. It was wicked in the land. Things were so bad that Hosea reminds them or points them to Gibeah, the sin of Gibeah. This is homework. We don't have time to go there, but go to Judges 19 and see the depravity of Israel. It is one of her darkest days in her history. Things were so wicked and so bad, Hosea brings up the sin of Gibeah. Search our hearts, brothers and sisters. We need to be diligent in fleeing from idols. Those that would turn our hearts, turn our affections away from God. Be vigilant. Vigilant. Israel's self-consumption and glory-stealing had opened the door for mistrust and idol worship. But here is what Israel failed to understand, brothers and sisters. They failed to understand this And I pray, I pray that we would get this. If we would get this, oh, brothers and sisters, it would would change us. I pray that we would get this. I pray that we would understand this. God is jealous for his glory. God is jealous for his glory. You don't get away with stealing glory from God. Ask Herod in Acts chapter 12. Herod robes himself and takes his throne, and he gives a speech. He he gives a wonderful speech, a speech that was pleasing to the ears of the people listening. And here is what Acts chapter 12, verse 22 says. And the people were shouting to Herod, the voice of God and not of man. Immediately, it says, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. God does not play when it comes to his glory. Exodus 20 and 5, in in relation to other idols, here's what God says. You shall not bow to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Isaiah 48 and 11, when when the nation was profaning his name, here's what God says. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. You understand that God must be, he must be jealous for his glory if he is to be God. He must be jealous for his glory if he is to be God. A God who finds glory in another is no God at all. To glory in another is to say that there is something higher, more valuable to glory in. God doesn't give his glory away, brothers and sisters, because he is God. He's a jealous God. Idols and our idols, our idols, do not stand a chance against God's glory. They don't. They have have no shot. The 
Verse 8, the high places of Avon, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. Thorn and thistle shall grow up on their altars. Earthly kings? Show me your earthly kings. They are no threat to the authority of God. Verse 7, Samaria's kings shall perish like a twig on the face of the waters. You ever throw a twig on the face of the waters? It gets, it gets overturned. It's, it's thrown to and from. No chance. Those pillars that Israel improved? Verse 2, the Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. Brothers and sisters, this is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the Bible. He shares his glory with no one and nothing. And so when his people don't give him glory, when they trust themselves, they reap what they sow. Verses 13 and 14. You have plowed iniquity. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your warriors. Therefore, the tumult of war shall arise among your people and your fortresses shall be destroyed as Shalman, destroyed Beth Arable on the day of battles. Mothers were dashed in pieces with their children. Israel's wicked, wicked rebellion Their glory stealing was going to bring upon them destruction at the hand of their enemies under the authority of God. And please note that the destruction, the judgment being described here is a terrible, it is a terrible and an awful thing. For when for when these enemies, when Assyria, when other enemies would be unleashed upon Israel, brothers and sisters, things would be so bad, so, so, so devastating that they would call, that they would call for, for the mountains to, to cave in on them, for the hills to cover them, because it would be so violent and so destructive that they would want to be put out of their misery. This, this, Right here is the type of passion God has for his glory. This this is the type of sin-producing wrath that that caused the, the writer to the Hebrews to say in 10 and 11, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The people of Israel had reason to fear. They were under the judgment of God for their glory stealing. And guess what? Their idols, earthly kings, and even their multitude of warriors would not be able to save them from the wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, if you think that Israel is alone, in their glory stealing, in their mistrust, and in their idol worship, you're wrong. This is the condition of all those apart from Christ. All those apart 
from Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you are not trusting and following him, this is your condition. You are under the wrath of God. And I am here to tell you that you should be fearful. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you claim to be a Christian, as you listen to these warnings, it is important to know and to remember that this was you. This was you. At one time, we were children of wrath. And you know what? That, that old man that, that, that is seeking to be put to death, every once in a while, rears his ugly head. We begin to want to glory steal. We, we, we misplace our trust. We, we, we worship idols. These are the areas that the devil attacks us in. And you need to know that God is jealous for his glories. And those who seek to steal it will reap what they have sown. So so heed these warnings. Hear them. Turn. Don't be like Israel. Repent and trust in Jesus. You will reap what you sow. Unless, unless, and listen carefully, unless one sows what God so graciously and lovingly calls us to do. Look at verse 12. Again, I mean, Hosea is just, it's just beating on you, beating on you, beating on you, and then all of a sudden, the, the skies open up. And, and there, is, there is peace, there is, there is an opportunity for, for grace. Here it is in verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. How can you escape? How can you escape the pending wrath of God, the the judgment? How can you escape his wrath? He says, Repent. Turn. Turn from your sin. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from your idolatry. Turn to him. Repent. So right living. Break up that fallow ground. Seek the Lord. There is your out, brothers and sisters. The Lord has given you a way of escape. Turn. You know, repentance is the ground upon which The righteousness of God reigns and satisfies. But the repentant heart says, I have come to the end of myself. I no longer want the glory. I don't want to be a glory stealer anymore, Lord. That which I have trusted in is false. I am turning away from idols. I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. That is is the heart. That is the heart that is ready to receive the righteousness of Christ, the right standing before God. That's a type of heart that realized that all glory belongs to him. Brothers, Brothers and sisters, I've said a lot here this morning. 
And, you know, here's the deal, man. The, when the Lord gives his word, it is just clear. It's perfect. You know, sometimes we, we preach longer. And the, if you just read the scriptures, it just says it right there. Ephesians 2. I'm going to read this and then, then we're done. I'm going to read this and then we're done. Okay? Because I can't say it any better than it says it here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. But God. Being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one could boast. All glory goes to God. You are blessed. Blessed with a gift. A gift that we can't boast in. And you know what? We were blessed to be a blessing. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I have been blessed to be a blessing. And I can't boast. I'm going to boast in Jesus. Boast in Christ. It's all glory. All glory belongs to him. And when you realize that, You'll bless others. You will bless others. Let's pray.